This morning I want us to kind of think through the difference between praise and thanksgiving or praise and gratitude. And if you think about that for a moment, just kind of sit on that for a moment and ask yourself, what is the difference between praise and gratitude? The truth is that for many of us, when we relate with God, those two things become combined. In fact, we often become a little confused about the difference between the two. We kind of vacillate between praise and thanksgiving, and we're not sure where to to land and how to do that. Well, this morning we're going to look at praising God and how it differs from thanksgiving. One person put it this way, so that thanksgiving is rooted in the gratitude one has for God, for the things that he's been given by God. But praise comes not from gratitude, but from inside of who the, that God really is. You see, Christ and his grace is direct evidence of both God's greatness and his goodness. And so today, as we look at Psalm 121, 1 through 8, Our heart's desire is that may we praise God, not simply for what he's done, but also for who he is, okay? And so let's go ahead and stand together as we look at Psalm 121. We're going to read this passage together, and it's going to be our text for the morning. And this is what it says, starting in verse 1. It says, a song of ascents, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. And you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning as we look at your word, as we look at the psalm, Father, I pray that within our own hearts that you would direct us, Lord, and that you would help us see, Father, the importance of both thanksgiving and praise. That, Lord, that as we understand and know you, that we become more free to praise you because we're able to praise you for who you are, not simply for what you've done. And Father, may that praise produce in us a heart of thanksgiving for what you've done. And Father, as we thank you, may it lead us right back to the giver of that gift, and may we praise you. And so this morning, may we walk out Father, encouraged by who you are, knowing who you are. And Father, may we seek to praise you in all circumstances. Father, we pray this morning that our hearts would be steadied before you. That the the work of the enemy would be bound in the name of Jesus. That it would be your spirit who moves and and, and flows freely in our lives. May you fill us this morning. Father, move me out of the way, and may it be you who bring your word. 
And Father, as we lay our burdens at your feet, as we lay our concerns, as we confess sin before you, God, may our hearts be filled with your word and may we be renewed and transformed. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Ben shared last week that the message on gratitude he gave is one of his first messages at Calvary. Well, the message that this morning that I want to share out of Psalm 121, and I think is fitting and tied as we see the relationship between praise and thanksgiving, is a message that I gave the first Sunday I was back after the being out for roughly a year. There are parts in it that are very real and raw for me as I share this with you. Because the truth is, is that it was during that time in the hospital that the Lord really revealed the midst, the, the, the importance, the, the, the foundation of being able to praise God regardless of your circumstances. And what I found during that time that when we're in that situation and we're able to declare who God is, that we are declaring the very attributes of God that sustain us. And so it is this morning that God desires us to know him and praise him for who he is as well as for what he's done. God desires us to know him and praise him for who he is as well as for what he's done. This praise comes from knowing. And this knowing is who he is. And it's a knowing of what he's done. And so the question for us this morning is, do we see the greatness and goodness of God? Do we see it? Do we see the goodness and greatness of God? Now often we rejoice over our salvation, but do we praise him really truly for who he is? Well, if we think about this for a moment, when we think about God and we think about what's the difference between praising God and thanking God, I think at times that becomes a bit of muddied water. But if you put it in context to our children or to a child or to a coworker, if you were to say, I'm going to thank my coworker and I'm going to praise my coworker, they're two radically different things, are they not? They're two totally different things. They may derive from the same place, they may even lead to the same things. But there's a reason that scripture tells us to both give thanksgiving and to praise. They're different things. And part of that that's helpful as we look at that is to understand what praise really is. I remember a number of years ago, I said to one of my kids, I said, I'm really proud of you. And they looked back at me and they said, why? And it caught me off guard. And I'll tell you why. Because for me, I'm thinking I'm proud of them. It's in here. But what they wanted was they wanted the specifics. Why are you proud of me? And the only way that I could share with them that I was proud of them and tell them why was to know my children. Because the truth is, you can't truly praise unless you know. And so, as we look at this passage, the truth is is that what God wants us to move to 
is to a place, a heart of praise in addition to a heart of thanksgiving. And we can't do that unless we genuinely know who God is. A.W. Tozer adds this. He says, Watson urged that we go from a gratefulness to a love of God just because he is God and because of the excellence of his character. Unfortunately, God's children rarely go beyond the boundaries of gratitude. Many of us are strictly Santa Claus Christians. We think of God as putting up the Christmas tree and putting the gifts underneath it. However, that's an elementary kind of love. And I like that. Because the truth is is that we are to respond with thanksgiving. And then we are to respond with praise. That we aren't simply to thank God for what he's done, but we are to praise him for who he is. I don't know if you're like me, one of the things that used to always, just want to, you, you grow tired or, or even like, what do I begin to praise God for? And what you begin to naturally do is drop back into thanksgiving. And I remember early in my faith when people would say, you need to spend time and, and praise God in the midst of these circumstances. I'm thinking to myself, how do you praise God in the midst of garbagey circumstances? Because there's nothing I'm thankful for about these circumstances. Years ago, in my 20s, God has perpetually in my life shown different ways, different revealed different pieces of himself. And when I gave my life to Christ, there was a lot that God had to work through. A lot. God's still working through. But in that process of working through these things, one of the things that God began to consistently show me was that he was trustworthy and faithful, that he was one who could be trusted. I remember praying to the Lord as God was beginning to lay on my heart a call for ministry and my desire to not go into ministry. And the Lord just kept bringing it subtle and bringing it more clear and more clear. And through a series of circumstances, God brought me to a place where I was at a place of brokenness to say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. And it was in those moments that God began to show me that he was a God who answered prayer. He was a God who was near to his people. He was a God who loved his people. He was a God who cared for his people. And he was going to do what was best for his people. And it was deriving from a God who was sovereign. It was deriving from a God who was merciful. And the truth is, when we praise God, what we're praising Him for is not for the circumstance that we're in, but we're praising Him for who He is. And the reason that praise can often be so hard is because we don't know Him all that well. And so Psalm 121 starts out, it tells us that it's a song of ascents. Now, what that tells us is that as the people of God prepared to climb the hill towards the temple, that's what it's talking about. They would take this psalm and they would sing it and declare it as they were rising up to the Temple Mount. The idea was behind it. It carried with this idea that as they were going up the mountain, the closer they get to the presence of God, the more truth about God's character is revealed. So as they're climbing the mountain, as they're getting drawing near to God, the more they begin to know about God. It's often sung in the evening 
as they prepared for this final portion of their journey up the mountain and into the presence of God. There was a joy that was coming because as they were drawing near, as they were going up the mountain, they were beginning to see and experience the very attributes of God. They began to know God. And the truth is, is with us, is that the the greater that we draw near to God, the more that we know of God, the greater freedom we have to praise God. One pastor adds this, he says, we need to know the blessing of worshiping in the presence of God without thought of wanting to rush out again. We need to be delighted in the presence of utter, infinite excellence. I love that. And when we are, such worship will have the ingredient of fascination, of high moral excitement. See, when we begin to understand and know God who he is, we can't help but fall in love with him. And we can't help but want to be in his presence. Our lack of praise often reflects our direct knowledge or lack of knowledge of God. And that knowledge is affected often, not simply by just a a head knowledge, but it's affected by what God is doing at work within our own heart. You see, if I'm focused on my circumstances, God is not able to very, very clearly show me who He is. But when I'm focused on Him and His attributes, He's beginning to reveal more of Himself in every circumstance I go through. So trials no longer become the thing that I'm going to endure with grumbling And with, oh gosh, get this over with as fast as you can. But trials become the opportunity by which I grow in my greater understanding of who Christ is. And so no longer they become the things that I desire to flee. Doesn't mean I don't want to get out of them. But the end result is not God take me out of this. The end result is make me who you are in this. And so as we begin to praise God, as we begin to seek Him, we begin to realize very quickly, God, I either know you or I don't. And one of the things that God begins to do is He begins to reveal more of Himself as we seek to praise Him regardless of the circumstances. And so in verse 1, the psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? Now, it's important to understand, it's obviously a rhetorical question. And the psalmist is using this as an opportunity to help us see who God is as we seek to come into his presence. In verse 2, the psalmist answers his own question. He says, my help comes from the Lord. Now, it's important to note that the translated name for Lord in Hebrew is the word Yahweh. And why is that important? It's important because it's the personal name of God. The point is is that he desires to make his character known to us. This is not a God who is distant that wants to hide himself from us. It is a God who is near that desires us to know him. That's an awesome thing. We have a God, the God, the creator of the world, who desires us to know him. That's an awesome thing. When I was in the hospital, I remember having gone through 
one open heart surgery and feeling like, gosh, God, you delivered me, to then experiencing this infection a few months later that ravaged my body, and then God answering prayer, sitting in the hospital praying, God, give me, and doctors came and simply said this, we don't think you can survive the next surgery. That's it. Once you've lost your spleen, we can't repair your heart right now. You'll lose too much blood. I remember lying in the hospital praying, God, just give me time to recoup. Just give me time to recoup, Lord. Doctors came in two days later and said, Tim, it's gone. We don't know where it went. Now, I'll tell you what my hope was. My hope was that it was gone forever that I would never have to deal with that nasty thing again, that I would never have to have any consequences of it, nothing. Doctors were skeptical. They said that's never happened before. In fact, there's no other documented time in history that we've had this kind of infection remove itself anywhere. For three months, I recovered. And three months afterwards, this thing came back. And I can remember coming in and doctors saying, well, you got three months. You got three months, and that might be the difference maker. I remember sitting on my bed the night before that second open heart surgery, Wondering, God, what are you doing? And the passage that just kept coming to mind was, be still and know that I'm God. I didn't care about my life, but I cared about my wife, I cared about my kids, I cared about them. And the Lord's subtlety of be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. The amazing part of that is as I laid there in bed, truly not knowing if I would wake up, sitting there and the Lord going and prompting me in his heart going, what did you ask me a year and a half ago? Well, a year and a half earlier, I began praying, God, Let me truly understand your goodness and your greatness. I don't feel like I get it real well. And what's amazing is in that moment, God showed me I'm greater than all of these things. I'm even greater than your life. But I'm good. And my goodness transcends to you. And because of my goodness on the cross, all those things that you're worried about, all those things that bring fear to you right now, guess what? I've got them. And it was in that moment that God began to show me areas where, you know what? I lacked confidence in elements of his goodness. And I even lacked confidence in elements of his greatness. And the Lord began showing me, listen, I'm a God of my word. I desire you to know me. I've allowed you to experience some of these things. There's many reasons I experienced it, but one of those reasons was, guess what? He was allowing me to know him more. What an awesome thing. And so we can praise him. 
And so knowing who God is frees us to praise him for a few things. The first is his goodness. Excuse me, the first is greatness. Notice what he says here in verse 2. He says in verse 2, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, God is my help. Knowing who God is frees us to praise Him for His greatness. Because God is my help. Our confidence in God comes from knowing first that He's the Creator. Verse 2 says, who made heaven and earth. God is all-powerful. His wisdom is uncomparable. Proverbs 3, 19-23 says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, listen to this. Do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. We need to know that God is the creator, that he's all-powerful. When we understand that God is not some mystical force. See, we try to put God into our box, and we try to take the terminology of the world and One of the things I hear, and I've shared this before, that I hear within the world is God referred to as the universe. That's a lie, and it's not true. God created the universe. He's the creator of all things. To apply him as the universe is to make him into a mystical force, and he is not a mystical force. He's the creator overall. And he's the God of mercy and the God of grace. And so understanding that he is the creator overall is to know that he is the maker of the heavens and the earth. And if he is the maker of the heavens and earth, He has power over all things. He is sovereign over all things. And he has dominion over all things. That is a God worthy of worship, is it not? That is a God worthy of praise. John 1.3 says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's awesome. The second thing is that he's always present He's always present. Verse 3 says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. See, God is everywhere all the time. Now, what I mean by that is this. It's not that God is found in the trees or in the wilderness. It's not that God is found in the walls. It is to say that God's creation should point us to the creator. But the creation is not the creator. The creation is not God. And so we are not to worship the creation, but we are to worship the creator. It is to point to his glory, not receive his glory. 
And so God, being always present, He knows. And because He's present all the time, we're secure. This was the part of sitting in the hospital trusting, be still and know that I'm God. You know what instantly came was? God, you are near at a time where I feel so far. Oh God, I know you are right here, but God, I have no idea what is happening, and yet God, you do. You saw this before the day that it occurred. You knew it. And if you knew it and you allowed it, then you obviously have a reason for it. See, not only is God always present, but then he sent his son. And his son's name, Emmanuel, literally means God with us. The fact that Jesus came is proof that God is with us. And so when we respond to Christ's grace and we are filled with His Spirit, we have the Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit with us. Not some mystical force, but the person and work of Christ. So if you're one of His children, verse 4 says, Behold, He, keeps, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God will never forsake you. If you're one of his children, God will never forsake you. And what does it mean to be a child of God? It means that we've repented and believed on Christ for our salvation. We have acknowledged that we are sinners and we have repented of that sin. Not that just we do bad things, but that our, our nature was corrupt and fallen and broken. And we repent of that sin And we surrender our lives to Christ. We confess Him as Lord. 1 John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. God is the faithful shepherd of Israel, and He will not forsake those who are genuinely His. That's what they're talking about here. God is the faithful shepherd of Israel. So, knowing him allows us to praise him freely for his greatness and then for his goodness. Because God is my keeper. God is my keeper. So he's my help and he's my keeper. His greatness and his goodness. What's interesting about this passage is this word, shamar, which is used here in Hebrew, is used six different times. It often translates as keeper or guard or protector or preserver. There's something clear that God wants us to get across, that he wants us to understand about him. That God is the one who preserves us. He's the one that protects us. He's the one that is over us. He's the one that is allowing us to experience things that we may not like or enjoy, but he is drawing near to us. So God is the one who strengthens. 
In his goodness, he strengthens us. Verse 5 and 6 says, The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. With this strength comes refreshment. And with refreshment comes the ability to, to trust in him in times of weariness or times of fear or times of anxiety. Psalm 16.8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. God's the one who strengthens us. He's the one that allows us to stand firm when we feel weak. In situations that you may be experiencing where in your own life you have doubts or there's things, uncertainty that's on the horizon, we can praise God. And guess what happens? When we start praising God, we're reminded of who He is. Not only are we declaring who He is, but we're reminded of who He is. And as we're reminded of who He is, then our eyes get off of the circumstances and onto Him, and God begins to show us more about who He is. And the more that we know about who God is, the closer we grow in our relationship with God, the more we then begin to praise God and the less our focus becomes on the circumstances, but more on how God is working in and through us. Praise plays a vital part. Because if the only thing that I can praise God for is that he's sovereign, then I need to be seeking the Lord saying, God, show me more of you. Because the only way to praise God is to know God. And as we know God, then God reveals more of who he is. And so praise is one of those things that really does require that we continue to draw near to him. In his goodness, he also protects our soul. He protects our soul. Notice verse 7. So God is the one who strengthens and he's the one who protects our soul. It says the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Now the word life in Greek is literally translated as soul. And so God is the protector or the one who preserves our soul. He's the one who sanctifies us. And through Jesus we experience his righteousness and salvation. The name Jesus is actually a derivative of the word Joshua which means Yahweh is salvation. And the name Jesus literally means God saves. See, he's the protector of our soul. It's not just that he gives us salvation, but that he is also moving us forward and guarding us in his salvation. It's that he's sanctifying us. He's making us more like him. He's reminding us that He will never leave us or forsake us and he's showing us that we're never too far away from his grace and mercy. He's revealing to us that the only way to have righteousness is through him. I don't know about you guys, but ever have those times in your life where you have been tempted to sin and God comes in and he just closes you off like a brick, right? There are times, and we can all relate to that, where God 
actually shuts the door and you go, thank you, Lord, that was awesome. Because my heart was to go a different direction and you just changed it. It's the only time, it's in those moments where you go, God, you truly are God because my flesh was going this way and you took me this way. Isn't that a freeing thing? I know for me that when I gave my life to Christ, language was one of the hardest things to get over. I mean, my mouth was foul. The truth is, is that I can often look at my life and tell where my relationship is with the Lord when inside my head other things are going on. If in my head those words are starting to pop up again, and God is the one that redirects. He's the protector of our soul. He's the guide. He's the one that's not only bringing us into salvation, but then he's leading us through it and moving us towards him. God's also our guard. God's also our guard. In verse 8, it says, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Wherever we go, God's our guard. He's not simply the protector of our soul, but He is the guard of our life. And that guard does not mean we won't experience persecution. It doesn't even mean we won't experience death. It means that nothing shocks God. And if we are walking with God, we are exactly where we are supposed to be, that He is present near and in the midst of what we are doing. Because I've used some hospital stories this morning, I'll use another one. In the days following this second surgery, one of the doctors came in and she was kind of considered to be the expert on this kind of situation. There weren't many experts on the situation. In the state of California, she is considered to be the primary person for these kinds of things. And she walked into the room and she sat down and she looked at me and she got a funny smile on her face and she said, I suppose you have people at your church praying for you. I looked at her and I smiled and I said, well, you're kind of wrong. I said, actually, there's people at my church and other churches and all over this country that are praying. It's crazy. It's awesome. And she goes, you really think that's going to work? I said, it all depends on what we're trying to get at, right? All depends on what we're trying to get at. And I think she laughed about that for a little bit of how could it be that you could say it all depends on what you're getting at? Or how could it be that you have such confidence in God if he does not deliver your wishes? Maybe that's a better way to put it. And as she shared, she proceeded to tell me of an incident where God had healed a child in Washington, or where a child had been healed in Washington early in her residency. And she said there were skeptics that came. She said, Tim, we tried everything, and there was nothing that was healing this child. And all of a sudden, they came in, and they brought this person in. This person prayed with this child, and the child was healed. And she goes, but you know what? We brought in some people after that, 
And they were religious people, and they said it probably could have been done on other means, not just by that means. And she said, so it really wasn't a miracle. And I remember sitting there, and I said, but what did you say in the beginning? You said that you guys had tried everything, and nothing worked, and nothing was working, and you had no solution. That's right. Right. And so she looked at me, and her only response was, well, I have to be honest. I'm just beginning to think that science and faith are not mutually exclusive, but I don't like that. I said, great. Now, you have to know that to have a conversation with this woman about the gospel was a very intimidating deal. Why? I don't know. Partly because she was a bull. She was just very strong-willed and bull-headed and pushed her thoughts very quickly on you. The other part was that she was overseeing my care, <laughs> truthfully. And the thought of making her angry was not real high on my list. And I'm not laughing. I mean, I'm not, not, not joking. But I can remember sitting with her and just being reminded that this is not me who goes first, but this is God who goes first. And because God is going first, it's in his hand. We proceeded to talk for another hour as she stood in this room. And I invited her at the end. I said, when this is all done and said, why don't we go out for a cup of coffee? She said, nope. I don't need to talk about that. Three hours later on her way home, as I was lying in the hospital bed, she called from her cell phone on her ride home. And she said, Tim, I want to let you know something. My husband and I camp up at Spring Lake every year. Would you be willing to come up and have a cup of coffee with us while we're up there? Here's the truth. God is our guard. And when we understand that he's our guard, guess what? It gives us tremendous freedom to praise him. Not because we enjoy the circumstances, but because we can trust that he is the one worthy of praise and because he is the one doing the work. And because he is faithful. He is a faithful guard. And so God is the one who strengthens and protects and guards. And those are all part of his goodness. And so in truth, praising God, God desires us to draw near to him. As we praise him, he's desiring that we draw near to him. And when we praise him, it causes us to draw near to him. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. She's saying, come to me. So how do we draw near to God? We submit our lives to Christ. Because Christ is the full representation of both God's greatness and his goodness. In him, we see all the attributes of God and his mercy on full display through the work of the cross. So as followers of Christ... May we praise God for who he is as well as for what he's done. May we be a people who are committed to praise and thanksgiving. But the only way that we're going to be a people committed to praise is by knowing God. And as we praise God, we will then know what we don't know about God. And guess what? God will begin to reveal what we do need to know. 
A.B. Simpson said simply this, Jesus is your sanctifier, your sanctification, your all in your all. God wants you to get your eyes away from the gifts, the formulas, and the techniques. He wants your gaze to be on the giver, Christ himself. He is your Lord. Worship him. May that be our prayer this morning, that we are able to praise God in the know. And there is a reason that I use that terminology because it is a play on words. The only way that we can truly praise God is by knowing God, and so the only way to praise Him is to praise in the know. But because we can praise Him in the know, K-N-O-W, we can also praise Him when He says no. And it is in that freedom that we are reminded that God is worthy of praise, not because simply of what He's done, but because of who He is. Amen? Amen. Father God, this morning... May we walk away with a deep sense and desire to praise you for who you are. But God, may this desire to praise you draw us closer to you. May we draw near to you. May we seek to know you. May you reveal yourself through your word. May you reveal yourself as you're you're working in our lives as we live life. May we see you, Father, at work within all of our situations because you are a God who is worthy of praise. This morning, may we praise you, God, not from a heart of ignorance, but from a heart of knowledge. And even if our knowledge is limited, may we praise you for what we know you to be. And Father, might you reveal more of yourself to us each and every day as we faithfully praise you. And we ask this in your name. Amen.